Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on the show, we have Kathy Scott Perry. Kathy has been a student and teacher of truth for over 40 years. She went through her own dark night of the soul when within a three-year period, she went through an incredible amount of personal loss. Through much prayer, meditation, study, and contemplation, Kathy was able to heal and rise from all of this and become an event producer. Over the past 20 years, she has produced events with Marianne Williamson, Neil Donald Walsh, Don Miguel Ruiz, Greg Braden, and many more. She has also co-produced and assisted with several afterlife and near-death experience conferences, including working with who's near and dear my heart, the Afterlife Research and Education Institute. She is the producer of the Miracles in the Mountains conference, based on A Course in Miracles and related sequel books recently held in Colorado. The next one will be coming up in Santa Fe, New Mexico, October 11th through 14th, 2019. Kathy counsels people going through catastrophic circumstances, as well as speaks on her experiences to interested groups. She teaches people that they can survive the unimaginable and forgive the unforgivable and also live a happy and productive life. Her website is miraclepromotions.com. Kathy Scott Perry, my new friend, a warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Well, thank you. Wow. That, <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> that's, that's you, my friend. Yeah, you never quite realize who you are until you have to send me your bio. And yeah, you sure exactly have done and continue to do a lot. Well, where are you coming to us from today? Oh, Houston, which has uh, been my home for many, many years. Isn't that the home of the Houston Astros? Oh, yes, it is. I'm glad you mentioned that. Why is that? <laughs> my, uh, um, the reason I, 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 I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota and moved to Houston uh, like 30 years ago. And have been going back and forth for family reasons, but um, I came back here and this is going to be my home forever because my grandson was drafted to play in the um, Houston Astros minor league. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That's super. So where do we begin your story? I know you've suffered some incredible loss, but do you want to take us back to... Way back when I, I don't, I don't even know how to approach the subject because you've dealt with a lot. But I'd rather you share, sure, a bit about sure. yourself. Um, my first um, loss was I was uh, my daughter had a a baby girl, Autumn Dawn. Her name was, and I was actually in between jobs. I was taking care of her during the week. And she, at three months old, she um, died from SIDS. She had um, um, infant uh, death syndrome. And that was my first loss. That was actually the first loss our family had had. And then about a year later, um, my former husband, who was my only husband, the father of my three children, who we 
talked to all the time and who was always there for the kids. And he even talked to my mother every week, um, was always in our lives, all of a sudden just disappeared, just like off the face of the earth. And we found out later that he had been murdered by his best friend for his money. He was a consultant, consulting engineer and traveled a lot and uh, had um, this man took over his uh, financial identity. And this was a lot to be dragged through for the whole family and my kids. And so just as we're trying to recover from that, I got what I call the phone call, which a lot of parents talk about, the phone call. Mm-hmm. I had worked that day been called in for extra hours, and I was supposed to go to a play with a friend. I got home, and my answering machine was blinking, and I was hoping maybe that this friend was calling me to tell me that she didn't feel like going either. Picked up the phone. It was my daughter, Nicole, saying, Mom, are you somewhere where there's people around? And I could hear that she was crying she was horribly upset my first thought was she has two adorable little boys that something had happened to the little boys something happened to her husband it never once occurred to me that what she was going to tell me had happened to me and our family but that she said they had found my youngest daughter, Noelle, dead on the floor of her apartment. And at first, I knew my daughter was, I knew she was depressed. And my first thought was, did she commit suicide? Are they wrong? You know, could they have been, how could she have been murdered? Because I knew, you know, how depressed she was. So she said, no, mom. You know, you had to call this number, San Antonio, San Antonio Police Department. So I did. I almost feel like I'm going through it again. Yeah, I'm so sorry. In such shock um, that you don't believe it. I I thought, well, if I find out what happened, everything's going to be okay. It was more like, well, maybe she got into a mess and maybe they're wrong. Maybe it's a mistake. Your mind will not, you just can't grasp this. You can't, you, you, you don't believe it. It's so shocking. It's so quick. You don't understand it. And you think that if you get an explanation, that that's going to change things. So I called the police department. I get homicide and I told, identified myself. And I'll never forget this detective saying, Brit who was the other the detective on the case, here's your phone call. You see, he'd been waiting for me to call. Mm-hmm. And the truth was, and there was no changing it, that my daughter had been actually raped and murdered. So here we are reeling from all these other things. And that was just like, wow. But you know, there was a part of me because... I think that I think that the human nature, the ego, I'm a 40-year Course in Miracles student. So sometimes we expect, you know, we, we, it's like the other shoe. You know how we, we, we expect the other shoe to drop. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, it was like, 
Well, this is what happens. This is life. Bad things happen in life. And so I just kind of took it in with that, kind of looking at it that this is the way life is, but this is not the way life should be. But I immediately, first thing I did was tune it out. I remember I was given some tapes, um, some uh, Carolyn Moss tapes that I hadn't listened to. I had to go into San Antonio. I was living outside in a small town near in between San Antonio and Austin. And I put those tapes on the radio and I jammed the circuits. I didn't want to think about it. And then you're in such shock that you you think that if you start crying, people thought I was hard. Some people did. Mm-hmm. If you start crying, you're never going to stop. Right. You know, and I've I've had heard other people say that, that, you know, you can be and you're in shock. You can be really brave because you're just not, you know, assimilating this. It's not reality. It has to come in bits and pieces. So it's it's I was just reading. It's it's the the. um, Work of mourning is piecemeal. That's what Freud said. That is just reading this. Like, um, though reality tells us our loved one is gone, its orders cannot be obeyed at once. So we can't take this whole thing in all at one time. Right. I am so sorry for all that you dealt with. And you're right. Even though time has passed, just talking about it. I mean, those emotions that love, I mean, that's always there. Yeah. So you feel it. Yeah. yeah that's one thing. Um, when it first happened, I have three children. So my first thought was a third of my past mm-hmm. and a third of my future had just totally was obliterated. Right. And after a while, it took a few years, I think, I realized that that wasn't the case. You know, it was an experience in my life. My having my my wonderful, beautiful daughter was something that I was a part of my life and always would be. And even now, this was almost 20 years ago. It seems like yesterday, but mm-hmm. even now, it's like she's still a part of my life. We talk about her. Uh, there's pictures. I have an altar. She's never, and I talk to her in spirit. So she's never really left me. How did you come to believe that? And I know you say in the introduction that through much prayer, meditation, study, and contemplation, but it, it it seems like obviously grief is a journey. Yes. And I'm sure you started off with just unbearable pain and looking for answers and all that. But do you remember anything that came up that made you really think she's still here? As I know she is. And like you and I discussed at the beginning of the call, we think she's here with us right now, helping us yeah. along. Yeah. yeah. Sticking stuff in my head, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, well, I, I, one of my, um, you know, I have all kinds of suggestions to heal from grief, but one of them is to visit mediums when you can. I have visited many mediums, and because I am an event producer, a spiritual event producer, I know many mediums. Yes. Right. So I've had, I've been lucky in that way that I've been, and some people you don't even know are mediums will just appear and start telling you. Um, and I've, I've had some amazing experiences. I remember it was like less than a year after she died, I went to an Edgar Casey Institute in um, conference, and I went to a, a psychic there. And I want to find out about my future, about my work, you know, everything. I had no clue that she was also a medium. And as she's telling me what I think I want to hear, she starts, my daughter comes through. And she starts talking to her and saying, Mom, I'm all right. You know, and she she told her, she said, the it's beautiful over here. The grass is so green and the sky is so blue. And then the medium said she was with a little girl. Now, I did not tell this medium anything. I was looking for other information. And um, she said she's with a little girl. And she had the little girl that died of crib death and a black dog with curly hair, a little black dog with curly hair. Well, right there to me was a red flag because I did not remember any little black dog mm -hmm. with curly hair. So right away I thought, oh, that, you know, it's not true. She's, I wouldn't want to say she's a fraud, but, you know, she doesn't know this is not. It wasn't good enough. Exactly. It's, you know, it's, it, she's making this up. So I went back and told my daughter about it, my, my other daughter. And she said, because they had a big white Samoya dog, which is totally obviously the opposite of a little black curly-haired dog. Right. And I told my daughter, and she said, Mom, don't you remember that little dog that you had that Noel brought home right before the baby died? This little dog was with the baby the whole time and I had complete it was like completely out of my memory Aww. and yes and we had and we had to put the dog to sleep so there you are mm -hmm. something that wasn't even in my consciousness right she brought up and she saw and she told me about that is reassuring, number one, that the afterlife is real, but that our animals are there and especially comforting your yes. grandchild, your daughter. Yes, yes. And then she talked, too, about the the funeral was um, or the memorial service. We quickly got it together. And we were, I was in near Austin, Texas. We came up to Houston and then to a church that I used to go to. And they didn't have any music. So the minister had a tape. That's when we had tapes. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and um, the um, you'll never walk alone. She said, well, I have this. 
Now, most memorial services, you usually don't play this song. So she put it on and it was really beautiful. And also they asked me, and at that time I didn't have a lot of money. I was just working, you know, on a, living on a paycheck. And relatives and friends that said, do you want money or do you want flowers? I wanted flowers for her because she had not had many flowers in her life. So she said through a medium, she said the service was so beautiful and that song almost made me cry. And I loved the yellow flowers. Well, there was beautiful yellow flowers. I said yellow was her favorite color. You see, she was there. Yes. Not at all. Very special. <laughs> and so from time to time and through the years, I have actually talked to her, you know, and um, there's one thing that great interest that she said. She said she wanted to die, which I knew she was depressed. And then she laughed and she said, be careful. You get what you ask for. Mm-hmm. Very profound. Very profound. And um, she has wanted me to write about her. And I'm... I'm a writer, but I've got so many other things on my plate that I've never really sat down and even thought about it. She said she would help me. And I had a, another, uh, there was a group reading, and this woman said, you, you're writing about her, right? And I'm going, no. <laughs> that was uh -huh. the first thing she said. she said. I said, she wants me to write about her. <laughs> It was so funny. That was that was the very first thing that came out of her mouth. And then I went to another one. Now, this is over a span of 20 years. It's not uh -huh. like I spent every minute going to this. That's okay. <laughs> but um, there was um, in Minneapolis, Psychics in the City, they have these group, um, um, you know, where you can ask questions and group readings, and there's three of them. And I couldn't think of a question, and all of a sudden I realized it was Noel's birthday. And I, I didn't even think of that when I walked in. So my thought was, well, maybe she has a message for me. Mm -hmm. So I asked that, and one woman said, well, didn't you and Noel have a dream? And I'm thinking... What would that be? Well, that's her book. That's what she, that's that's our dream. Oh. And you know, she said she would help me. And this is the thing. I know, and she says things like she she watches me. Mm -hmm. She, um, I mean, she's always there. I'm a little fearful. As much as I know about the other side, I'm a little fearful. If somebody appeared to me in the middle of the night, I'm not sure what I would do. Well, I agree with you on that. And I believe, but if all of a sudden somebody manifested in front of me, I don't know if I could handle that. So I'm happy with how I have my understanding. 
<laughs> and maybe in time, you know, a little bit of time. But I agree with what you're saying. Oh, but it sounds like she's very much with you and love never dies. Never. And, no. You know, she'll be the right, right there to meet you when, you know, your special time comes as well. I know. Yeah. And you don't have to, um, you don't have to forget them. No. But no. And you don't have to not think about them, but you have to go on with your life. Right. And they want that. This is when I first, when I first, when this first happens, everyone's had this experience where you don't want to have fun because you know they can't have fun. Mm -hmm. And so you feel guilty about doing things. But they want you to go on with your life. And I did a lot of stuff besides um, jamming the circuits, which is probably not the best thing to do. And some of the bad things I did was I, it was wintertime. It was December 13th, which would really ruin your Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, I, I sat home. I, I contemplated. I prayed. I read books, which is good, but again, jamming the mind. Right. I drank wine, which I don't do anymore. I ate popcorn and pretzels, comfort foods. Mm -hmm. This is not really in the long run good for you at all. But it was what I had, you know, the only way I could cope with it. It was better than taking drugs. And But another thing I, I would strongly suggest is, is don't be, be really careful how you act and also or the things that you do. Also, don't make any decisions. You know, you don't make any quick decisions until your mind is right because I gave away all of her things and I could I couldn't handle looking at them and then later I was wishing I'd kept some things just as a memento yes you know how you make you know you need to give yourself a lot of time before you can make wise decisions then what I what I did a lot and you know I worked with essential oils I took a lot of essential oil baths and that led me to, um, I was actually um, a distributor, and I traveled all over the world studying. I went to France, and I went, uh, and I started giving workshops on how to use them. Well, this gave me something to do. This gave me something to take my mind off the pain and all the losses. Mm -hmm. So I strongly suggest to everyone, if they're, you know, don't just crater or you know many people say they you know they they don't want to go out they don't want to meet people they want to stay in bed in the fetal position and don't do that you know because also life is out there waiting for you and there's all kinds of interesting things that can and will happen to you after you've had a catastrophic experience it's so true I've, I've been reading a book or listening to a book on audio called how to stop worrying and start living and it's a dale carnegie book from the whatever 40s i'm not even sure but yeah. there's so many examples of people who were grief stricken and the remedy i don't want to say remedy because that's not it but you say jamming the circuits he and all these people with the only way they could get through it was to keep busy, 
keep their eye on something else. And even though we're prone to just want to be alone and in that fetal position, by actually, you know, being with other people and doing things or even setting your sights on helping someone else or working, whatever, that it is a very therapeutic way through. So I wouldn't make yourself wrong for any of those things. And if all you have is popcorn around and that's how you're going to deal with it, you know, I mean, we, we deal with it the best we can. I had chocolate, right? And, um, yeah. yeah, you know, we deal with it. Yeah, the best I had we can. the popcorn. <laughs> yeah, I think I had the wine too. Um, but how did you end up moving into the conference planning and producer? I think, you know, when I was thinking about all the people that you've worked with, I thought, well, how in the world did that happen? Because, you, first of all, how did that happen? And then, obviously, you're around people that speak on the soul level, I can't even imagine how much that has empowered you. Yeah. Um, I, I, that was a lot of my reading, a lot of the books and I went to a lot of conferences and, you know, to, to learn and to why, why did this happen? Why did these three things happen and why do they happen to one person or one family or, so looking for answers, I spent a lot of time, and I, I actually helped um, found a, a unity church in the small town I was living in, and I became the event producer, and I started um, looking into, I mean, I, I just, by volunteering first, or by going to the conferences and workshops first, and then volunteering, and then I started out small. And then it just like the Holy Spirit or whatever, the higher power brought all these people to me. And it just happened. It just happened. So many times I would just think that I would like to produce a certain person and, and their agent would show up. Or, you know, there's so much more to this. I, <clears throat> For instance, I was joking around. I just produced Don Miguel Ruiz. At our really small church, which is amazing to do this, um, in, in, in the place, it's beautiful, but small. And uh, someone said, well, who's next? And I said, oh, Neil Donald Walsh. And I was joking. <laughs> I didn't know him, you know. It just popped in my head. And two weeks later, his agent called me. Be careful what you wish for. Exactly. It is something else. Exactly. I had a friend say, well, it's a good thing you didn't say, oh, Jesus Christ. Well, there he would be, yes. You, but I tell you, I've heard it said before, our words, our word creates our world. And I don't think we give enough credit to not only our the words that come out of our mouth, but the actions we take, the feelings we have. And I do buy into this whole energetic realm, obviously, believing in the afterlife. But these things together, you can move mountains and you can have Neil Donald Walsh's agent call you. And yeah. these things are real. This is this is real. Uh, honestly, it is. It's also it's like if it's if it's really meant to be, 
the it the path will be clear. It will mm -hmm. be easy. You can do it. And who would have ever thought in your deepest, darkest moments that this is what you would have created? And I don't know if our listeners know who Marianne Williamson, Neil Donald Walsh, Don Miguel Ruiz, Greg Braden, and so many more are, but they're heavy-duty thought leaders, big players in the world that have contributed and had these books that have been read by millions, you know, they're the big time, the big league, speaking of baseball. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the fact, and I, I don't know, do you, well, let me back up. I know for myself, Kathy, looking back on my life, I needed to have my father's death happen as it did. And, and some other factors that cracked my heart wide open and, left me in an extreme amount of pain. But that had to happen for me to begin my journey. And I wouldn't be where I am right now talking to you if those events didn't occur. Do you think that all those horrific events that happened in your life led to you being where you are today? Oh, yes, definitely. I would have never, I don't think that I would have never done any of these things. And when that just just everything was just put in place with just perfect timing. And I had another experience, and I, I don't know if it's um but I'm gonna share it. I I um I lost my job because I was gone so much because of the murders in the and well actually they relegated it to part time and put another person in. Mm -hmm. So I lost a lot of, of money. I had really no income. So my credit got bad. I know this sounds weird, but I'm... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm going to share where I'm going with this. Um, and I, my mother and I joined Parents of Murdered Children, which was a good group. That's another thing I want to share, too, is, is, is get in some groups. Get in with other people who have experienced the same thing mm -hmm. because that is so helpful. And we, we led, lobbied at the legislature for various things. In that certain year, credit scoring was big. And there was a – my car insurance went up from, like, $300 or $400 a year to about $1,300, which was a lot considering, yeah, yeah and it was a long time ago and considering that I had very limited income. So I had a Monday afternoon off. They were talking about this at the state legislature. I had a story. So I went up there and I testified. Well, people went crazy. I mean, I made the, the headlines, the front page of the Austin American Statesman. People were calling all over, wanting me to interview me. And I ended up, one day the woman who um, I was um, working through, a consumers activist group called Texas Watch, 
who are looking out for consumers at uh, the, the Texas State Legislature. She calls and goes, are you sitting down? I said, what do I need to? She goes, well, CBS Evening News with Dan Rather wants to do a segment on you. Hmm. So um, they came out to my small town, you know, came all the way out to Wimberley, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Whitaker, who is one of their their uh, journalists, yes, online journalist, Bill, yeah. He and his producer came out and they interviewed me and there was a five-minute segment on CBS Evening News with Dan Rather on my experience with credit scoring. <laughs> That's great. And it was actually very good. I was surprised. And, you know, I was thinking I was going to look like a victim, but I didn't. I looked more like a victor. And, uh, but, you know, and then I had people calling to me from all over the United States, like the Wall Street Journal. Now, the reason I'm saying this is that you don't know where this is going to take you. If you're in line in bed in a fetal position, none of this is ever going to happen. That's true. And the other thing is, is I, I, this is what I teach in my spiritual classes, is that I didn't expect it. You know, it just, you, you can't buy that kind of promotion and advertising with a million dollars. But it just happened. And again, it happened because of what happened, because I was proactive. I took it, I took it and ran with it. It did something with it. Yeah, I'm thinking about um, the GPSs. I forgot who was. Do you know, you know, Mike Dooley, who he yeah. is? Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah. But I heard him speak and he was talking about if you want to create this great relationship and you, you know, create this person and you visualize and then you just sit there waiting, you know, that person can't show up. You have to be out in the world, you know, it may or may not be the pizza man. And he'd say, even when you program the GPS where you want to go, you can't just sit in the car. You have to start driving. And right. so, yes, it's great to have intention and, and all that stuff. But I think the miracles can occur when we're in action because you just never know who may show up on the scene and who you meet through another person and or being involved. So this is good demonstrations of miracles that happen when you're on the court as opposed to in the sidelines. Exactly. And you, you have to, you can, you can, you know, focus on what you want and set your intentions, but you don't tell God or the universe or how to do it. But you get you get up and you start walking, and then all help will come. It's 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 happened to me time and time again. That's what happens to me with the conferences. All of a sudden, I get an idea. I'll start working on it. Um, all kinds of people will show up, all kinds of help, just what I need. I'll start thinking I need a, a graphics person or I need a, uh, someone to work on my website, and that person will just show up. I know it sounds crazy and it sounds too easy, but the truth of the matter is that it's happened over and over and over again. But the key denominator is your in action, following your ideas, doing something. 
not waiting. And your faith and your and your and your belief that you're going to be able to do it. You know that I mean I when I produced Marianne Williamson, I had no idea. I connected well, it was again my my activism. I right after all the the state legislature was even the one of the um candidates asked me to campaign with them. <laughs> <laughs> And I wasn't in politics at all. I didn't even know about, you know, the Democrats or the Republicans or anything. But uh, um, and then I thought, well, I've had a lot of experience, you know, after the election was or the the, um, the that state legislative session was over. What am I going to do with it? And all of a sudden there's an email from Marianne Williamson saying that she's um, wants activists in Washington, D.C., to start a Department of Peace. So I thought, well, that's something I can do. <laughs> kind wow. of a big to take out. So I, I went to um, I went to her conference in Washington, D.C., and I connected with her. Of course, she's from Houston, so we had a lot in common. And I um, asked her if she'd come and help start our new church that we had just started. And she said, sure, just contact me. Well, if I'd known all her requirements before I did this, I would have never done it. I mean, you know, right. she wants, she needs a lot. She's a famous person. Yes. <laughs> but she was willing to come at much less than what she normally does because she, she wanted to help us out. And it was basically miraculous. So you, if you... Don't start thinking you can't do something because you can, as long as you get all the negatives out of the way. Yeah, there's a book written by, I think, Walter Russell that's called God Will Work With You, But Not For You. And it is all about you being on the court, taking action, and you get this invisible help along the way. Exactly, exactly. And, and the other thing that I didn't talk about before was when I was talking about kind of regressing back here, uh, jamming the circuits, and you really need to get this grief out. And what I did, which was help more most helpful, was to join a group in my small town. It was a, a parents who had lost children in various ways and we talked every week it was at a local church it was wonderful and we connected every week you know we heard these stories of these pe- different people how losing their child and you had something in common with these people everyone got out they told every single detail like one child was hit, his car was hit by a train, and these are the kinds of things that you can't talk about publicly. Right. And people are also they're afraid to bring it up to you. They think you don't want to talk about it. Most people in, that I know do. This is how you heal by talking about it. And I remember one story how I was there was a lady there that. Her son had died like 20 years before that of AIDS. 
but she was there to support. She was an older lady. And I was sitting there looking at her and I was thinking, wow, that must be horrible to know that your child is going to die for such a long time. At least with murder, it's quick. You don't, you know, you're not sitting there mourning and losing, gradually losing a child. Like, right. So we were walking out and she walks up to me and she takes my hand. Now we hadn't had any verbal communication at all. And she said, my heart goes out to you. She said, I can't imagine what you've gone through. She says, I can see a child dying of an illness, but murder, she goes. Now here, I was feeling bad for her, for her years of knowing her child was going to die, and she felt bad for me. Oh, I tell you, people need people. And you producing so many conferences you know what it's like to have a group together of like-minded people. Even myself, you know, people probably don't believe this, but I have gone to 99% of my conferences by myself, not knowing a single person, being scared to death. Will I fit in? What am I doing here? Will there be anybody to talk to? And in a matter of just minutes, once I get in a conference room, it's like I feel like I found my people. And then you yeah. have these lifelong relationships with people and, you know, you being behind the scenes as the producer of the events, um, you really provide the foundation for just people's spirituality and friendships and s connections and healing, all that stuff to grow, to flourish. Yeah. So thank you for being in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, all over the place in action to, to make these things happen. And especially even sharing right now, you continue to give, you know, your special woman, Kathy. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, the afterlife conference is a place where people are, are, I, when I was there last year, I just talked to so many people. They're looking for answers. Mm -hmm. They want to know what happened to their loved one. And this is where they're going to get it. And also, like you say, in a group of people, talking it out, talking, finding people who share the same experience. That's right. That is the most healing. That is so healing. You're not there. You don't have to sit and, you know, your life isn't going to change by listening to a lecture. I mean, you're going, you know, it's, it's this kind of conference is amazing because the things that people tell you are, are incredibly interesting and very, you know, enlightening and um, but your best experience is meeting other people and sharing with them because then you know you're not alone. That's mm -hmm. so important. So important. I wanted to ask you, by nature of you producing and attending so many conferences, um, have you gotten more evidence for yourself of the reality of the afterlife? through different things you've heard and witnessed and seen? Because I know you've done near-death experience work uh, conference. Yes, I did one in March in Austin. I, I was a assistant. I didn't produce it uh, by myself, but I was called in to help out. Yes, there was several things that, as much as I've talked to my daughter and I, it's still questioned. 
you know, what is going to happen to us? What, how do, what are we, what's going to happen when we die? And, um, right. Are we, are, are we just going to be stuck in the ground or in some pot somewhere, you know? <laughs> yes. Know. Yes. So, um, one of the things that I've learned, and I just recently really got this, is that consciousness never dies. You know, when you're, you interviewed um, one of my speakers, or actually he was the producer, he was trying to get out of a pipe in the river, and he never, when he said he never lost consciousness, he was still fighting to try to get out of the pipe, and all of a sudden he's being escorted by a couple of angels out out of this window thing that was appearing. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm trying to get out of here, you know? He had no idea that he had actually died. And, of course, you hear this story over and over again, but I personally know this person. So I started thinking, I started listening to stories about how they say there's the you don't even know you're dying and you're just so also out of body experiences people being operated on and 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 they're looking at their bodies right their overhead right you you yes yes and i just heard a story about that and i just snapped i thought you know what like when you go to bed you dream your consciousness never, ever dies, so it never stops. That's very comforting to me because I can't imagine. I'm imagining, you know, will I be, will, what will I be doing? Running around, you know, sitting on a cloud and hanging with me. <laughs> what do you do? Right, right, right. <laughs> and, oh, that's another, uh, my mother, when she passed away, she, like a couple days before, she said, what are all these people doing in here? And she was seeing people. And then also she said, who's this little girl running around here? And that was probably her, her great granddaughter. Yes. That died. But I still, I still, I think the consciousness thing really stands out to me. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's hard to, understand it to fathom it and I don't think it's our job to figure it out but just you know to trust we were talking before we started about our cell phones like I have no idea how it works but it does so I don't have to understand the world of consciousness and energy and where our loved ones are and you know how these people show up while you're taking action and all that like we don't need to know even how gravity works, but to know that it's real. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Mm. Had an, um, you know, they said, or they're saying like, like, oh, I was thinking more of, uh, like our consciousness or God or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. It's like the sun, it's always there. And we're doing all this stuff underneath it. But this is our, you know, we're, our lives are, um, we're, this is in the background. Like we have an operating system in the back of us mm-hmm. that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. 
just like the phone does. Right. And the sun's a perfect example. I was out for a walk and the big clouds came and it started to rain and it was dark. But it doesn't mean the sun's not there, you know? And those times that are tough for us, it doesn't mean we call it God, the universe, whatever that is for you, but it's still there. Yes, it's all, you know, what I've, what I've, I've learned a lot from this is not to crater when a lot of times people will, everything's relative, you know, you, I mean, even a death of your animal, a, a loss of a job, it's all relative, it's all grief. And you can, you can crater, like I say, or you can get under the covers or you can, can actively change that. But at the same time, things are always going to happen. I mean, you're going to go for, everybody goes through relatively calm and then, you know, there's something going on with the neighbors or something going on with your whatever. And there's a whole bunch of stuff you have to deal with. I don't crater with those anymore. I just know that I'm going to take care of it and then I'm going to go on and it's always going to get better. So whether if you're really grieving, if you're really hurt and pain and pain, it's not going to last. This is why people commit, they you know when they commit suicide, if they just hang in a little bit, they will heal. Good things can happen to you. I've been a Amazing amount of things happened to me since my daughter and, you know, since the deaths. I would have never thought that. No, especially going through it. But looking back, you can see the growth. You can see the opportunities. You can see the difference you've made in other lives. Um, yeah, I remember hearing the story Mothers Against Drunk Drivers had, obviously, they've impacted millions of people with all their information. But you know, how did it start with, you know, mothers losing their children to drunk driving? Exactly. Exactly. And I've seen so many people take take their tragedies and turn them around. Mm -hmm. The, um, the you know, the little kids that were all killed in... Uh, Sandy Hook. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're doing a lot. Amazing things. Sure, they are. Yeah. And... Oh, and the and the kids in Florida, I'm just so impressed. Mm -hmm. They're taking over, you know. <laughs> and that that to me, they're they're kids after my own heart. You know, I was an activist. I I did things. And I you know, I, I do have I do I am motivated by failure, so I I don't uh I don't want to be motivated. I don't want to have to have failed to be motivated. Right. But let me ask you, Kathy, do you had said in the introduction here that you counsel people going through catastrophic circumstances. Can people reach out to you and work with you? Sure, they can. I, I I'm not a doctor, obviously. No, so. but you're a caring human being who's been there. Yes, and I can, I'm somebody to talk to. You see what I was what I was sharing before as I'm you know was that when I was in that group where we we were able to talk everything out the minister was went on a sabbatical so we had a 3 month where we didn't do this anymore we were there about a year and a half talking about everything 
And, she, you know, just the loving sharing. When she came back, nobody came back to the group. Basically because we were healed. Yes. Which I think is miraculous. So just talking about it. Yes, they can call me. Um, I would, I do it like on a love offering basis. I mean, I'm willing to talk if you don't have any, you know, I, I can't, I, my time is rather valuable. So, but what I can do is I, you can talk to me and I can share and I can see, I'm an, an observer that can see things that you can't. That's a gift. Cause I know when we're in our own shoes, Sometimes we just can't see any light through the forest, whatever that expression is. Yeah. Um, how would people get in touch with you through your website, Miracle Promotions? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my contact information is on there. But I think I think uh, important too that the the Miracles in the Mountains conference is going to be about love and forgiveness, and I'm going to be talking about forgiving the unforgivable we have ah, talk a little bit about that yeah we have also we have a a speaker who's going to do the keynote his name is scott stabile i don't know if anybody's heard about him but he has written a book called big love his parents were both killed during a robbery at their store when he was 14 years old so he has quite a story, and his mission is to love the heck out of the world. And he's an amazing person. So it's all going to be about limitless love and true forgiveness. Mm. Again, Scott and I will be talking, both not together, but we'll both be talking about forgiving the unforgivable. And then we will have... Um, Actually, uh, some Course in Miracles students, uh, teachers, which, uh, you know, not everyone's going to know these names, but it's going to be just a fabulous event. It's October 11th through the 14th. It's over Columbus Day weekend, 2019, a year from now. But you have to get these things going, and, and uh, time goes fast. So I just go to Miracles Promotions. I've got the conference. I'm going to have some other things going on. And, of course, um, you're welcome to call me for counseling. Perfect. That's in Santa Fe. And I tell you, the year will go by fast. It was just last year that I spoke for the first time at the Afterlife uh, Symposium. And now it's three weeks or less than three weeks away. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, yeah. the 2018 ones. And if people are interested in that, uh, that is September 14th through 16th, 2018, Scottsdale, Arizona. You go to afterlifesymposium.org to find out more. Um, but, you know, you, you meet your posse, your group, your people. And, and yeah, you feel like I know my own personal journeys through grief. And felt very much alone. And you are so right, Kathy. It makes a difference to talk to others who are there where you are or a few steps ahead or a few steps behind um, to be part of a group. And we we cannot, and I don't think we were meant to go through this life alone. You know, people, no. people need people. Yes. 
Yes. And, and don't, you know, don't hesitate. Don't, because there's a lot of people there I met last year that were by themselves. They had come from all over that, you know, we're meeting people just if you need to go and you will get a lot of answers. There's some amazing stuff going on that you would never think is happening. There's one woman, Sonia, who's Rinaldi. Who's, yes. And then there's, um, um, Oh gosh, you know, the woman who's getting people's voices on the computer. Yeah, Sherry Pearl, Dr. Sherry, Sherry Pearl. Sonia Rinaldi's getting videos of people in the afterlife. It's just, it's mind boggling. And, and when you are there, or even I have interviewed so many of the people that are speaking at this event, but to hear these stories, you can't really fight this argument that the afterlife isn't real because it's like well then how about this 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 <laughs> and it's like okay um well sonia had people in the audience whose p- people were appearing yes. that were on their screen mothers who'd lost children and yes. the mother standing up and saying yes that's my child mm-hmm. yeah so it's great and, and you know another another perk i keep saying uh, calling it a perk, but I met Kathleen Malone um, way before this conference. That's why I was there. She's the executive producer, and I would not have never met her if all these things hadn't happened either. We just happened to meet and connect, find out we're from the same hometown. We're we're, we're our birthdays are almost the same. Our names are almost the same. We do the same job, and we just they happened to meet. Through me being active. Yeah. And producing events. Wow. That's so great. Thank you. Oh, and I just remembered, uh, we've now, uh, the AREI has decided to live stream uh, several of the speakers. So although I don't have the link the second, if you are listening to this episode on YouTube or iTunes. And if you click in the description, by the time you're listening to it, I will have the link. So if you cannot physically attend the symposium, you can attend by nature of your computer and they will be not all the speakers, but some will be recorded and uh, you can watch either live or at a future date, which I think is amazing. The whole world of technology so that we're going to start having more and more of these conferences virtually so that we can still meet and get together, but you might be looking at somebody's face on the computer because there's no reason we can't build these communities uh, in cyber world. You know, we're, we're all real people with the same interests. Yeah. So I'm excited. Yes. And I've, I've, uh, these people who are streaming, you've got a live chat box and people communicate there. So yes. you're interacting with people all the time. Yeah. Just like, not quite as good as being there, but almost. Almost. If you don't have another option, that's your way. Kathy, yeah. is there anything else you want to share or any questions I didn't answer that I sh- or ask you that I should have? Um, and, yeah, we're just going to wrap up the episode. But any final thoughts or words? Um, just that, um, yes, your, your life is not over when these things happen. Life comes around again. It's waiting for you. And yes, grieve. 
Take time to grieve. Don't let anybody tell you not to grieve. And don't, you know, talk about your experience. Talk about your loved one. But just know that there is life after grief. And you can forgive. I think the biggest thing, too, which we didn't talk much about, is forgiving, which means releasing, letting go. Now, I don't know who the perpetrator is in my daughter's case, but I do in my husband's, my ex-husband's. I had to let him go. I had to forgive him. That doesn't say mean say it's okay that you murdered my my best friend here, but it's for you. Release it. This is one thing that a lot of people do. They hold it and they have grievances and they let that go because it's not doing you any service whatsoever. And your loved one doesn't want you to hang on to it. That's so true. forgive. Uh, again, you can live a wonderful life, but you can always bring that person with you in your heart. You don't have to leave them and let them go in order to go on with your life. Mm-hmm. And include them. You still talk to your daughter. Yeah. Noelle, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I haven't. I haven't uh, talked to her. I I do talk to her, but I still work through mediums because I'm afraid. I'm a, and I well. I have to just be honest. I'd, you see, we're all probably afraid. That's why there's a veil there. If we could all just release that, we'd probably lift that veil. But it's like she's always with me. Her memory, that child I had. It's never going to erase. Death is never going to erase that. No. Nope. And then that moment you take your last breath, she'll be right there watching you cross that finish line, cheering you on. That with a little black dog that you don't remember with the curly hair. Yeah. (laughs) And your grandchild. And you'll be looking down at your grandson playing in the big leagues, playing baseball, however that all happens. If we yeah. only could take only if we could only take a moment and look from their eyes looking back down on us, uh, I think we could live a different kind of life of really trusting. And that's why I know you've produced the conferences you have, and I try to share as much as I can. Um, and we're still human, you know, we still go through pain, but having this belief is so much different than just having the fear of the unknown and the, I don't know, I guess faith is the word I'm looking for. Having the faith that this is all real, you can breathe and you can live and be in action. Exactly. And if you retreat and, you know, get under the covers in the fetal position, you're going to miss out on a lot. Yes. And it takes something because I do believe there is time for that position and we just can't help it. Um, But then, you know, like we wake up in the morning after a night's rest and the sun comes up, you know, sometimes we got to push ourselves to put our sneakers on to go outside for a walk, but it doesn't makes a difference and you never know who you're going to bump into and uh, what kind of miracles can follow. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. You're doing wonderful work yourself. I loved it. And we'll meet up again soon, I'm sure. 
Yes. And for our listener, thank you for being with Kathy and I. And just a reminder, her website is miraclepromotions.com. And then I do have a link to that and some others in the description of this episode. So I invite you to scroll down and check that out. And once again, our Afterlife Symposium is coming up. September 14th through 16th, 2018. And you may be listening to this a year ahead, um, but still go visit afterlifesymposium.org to find out more about whatever's happening this current year and just some of who some of the people are doing some amazing things with technology and grief and afterlife communications. So it really is truly amazing. The home base for this show is we don't die radio.com. And I've got a bunch of free healing gifts for you there. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I'm so grateful uh, that we've got to spend this hour with Kathy Scott Perry. I'm so grateful I get to have these conversations because this for me is being in action. I can wake up on the wrong side of the bed a lot. Uh, but having one of these conversations with a fantastic guest like Kathy reminds me of who I am, what my life is for. And so I love that. I, you know, I'm really taking from this, remembering to be in action. So I do believe with all my heart that life is an education for the soul, no matter how difficult it is. Um, there's always growth that can occur. You, my friend, your life is important. You are important. You have no idea the impact you have on other people. So, um, even just giving a smile will make a difference. So I really want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon.